and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take turn and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. And each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Matthew. Hi, Alison. Good to see you again. Thank you. And and firstly, uh, congratulations on getting the RBA call correct um, with a pause uh, just recently announced for the month of April. But if I'm correct, you're still thinking they're likely to hike once more in May. Is that right? Well, firstly, thanks for the uh, for the call out there with the rate call. It was, it was pretty split this time, you know, uh, almost 50-50 between those that thought that they would uh, hike rates and those that thought they wouldn't. Uh, in terms of going forward, as you say, um, I think it's pretty much a line ball as uh, to whether they are done or whether they go again. At most, though, if they do go, I think it's just one more 25 basis point rate hike. That would only take them to 3.85% um, on the cash rate. And that's only just above the, you know, the so-called neutral rate or that rate where you would um, expect uh, the cash rate to settle if inflation was back within the, uh, the target band, and that's 3.5%. So the argument for the rate hike is you still need monetary policy to be tighter than what you'd expect at that neutral rate to continue to get pressure uh, inflation down. And you can see it's not much above that neutral rate, uh, Alison. It's quite different to what's happening in the US and Europe, for example, where their rates are like two percentage points higher or an order of magnitude higher Mm. than their neutral rates. Uh, And you can sort of see the influence of that differential on on the Aussie dollar, where we've seen the Aussie dollar devalue quite sharply over recent months as the Europeans and US have, have been raising their rates above their neutral rate and ours is just sort of sitting at or just slightly above the interest rate. Back to the question you had on May, will they go on May? Well, they'll have the first quarter inflation data by then, but the monthly series that the RBA has been producing is is actually showing inflation's falling. What other data do we get? Well, we get labour market data out next week. It still looks to be um, printing strong. And in terms of global inflation, we're not out of the woods yet with OPEC, as we've seen, you know, cutting their supply of oil and the impact of that on oil prices, where oil prices back over $80 a barrel. You know, so there's a lot sort of going on. It could push them to cut rates, but I'll wait and see how the data comes out. But we're pretty close to that that end of the rate height cycle, I'd say. Sounding a, a very economist speak will wait to be data dependent. I like it. But <laughs> fair in the context. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Alison. I was just going to say, um, I, I, as you know, I usually don't sit on the fence, but I think now it's, it's the time to sort of say, look, 25, not 25, line ball pretty close to the, fence, the rate height cycle. Yeah. And in that regard, I think that's what the market's pricing as well. Um, look, it oscillates around a little bit at the moment, but, you know, I think it's probably slightly more priced in than not, but, you know, it is a little bit line ball. And uh, so we'll wait and see. But, you know, uh, it has been a a rapid rise from very low rates, irrespective, and that's certainly having an impact. But, you know, it's really interesting that the RBA is taking a bit of a different take on it in the sense that its own sort of modelling suggests that inflation won't come into the target band uh, of that 2 to 3% range until 2025. And that is quite different from what we're seeing in Europe and the US and so on, which is why we're seeing those terminal rates, I think. Well, certainly one of the reasons why we're seeing those terminal rates higher, where they're using a bit more pressure to try and get that inflation down in a bit of a quicker trajectory. But 
hopefully we'll, we'll see how we go. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr Matthew Peter. Matt, I did want to talk about the RBA just a little bit more, and in particular the review of the RBA that's been handed down. We did discuss it briefly last week, um, and we haven't got the full report uh, released to the public yet. But if you're just interested from what we do know of the review, what, what are you expecting and what are you thinking? Well, you know, from what we've what, what's been leaked, we know that most likely the biggest change will come to the uh, the group that's responsible for setting the cash rate for setting monetary policy. Now, currently, that's the board of the RBA, but that's likely to pass to a an expert-driven monetary policy committee, something along the lines of the FOMC in the uh, the Fed or the Monetary Policy Committee for the uh, Bank of England. Now, unlike the board, the board of the RBA, which is composed really of a mix of business people, academics and public servants, and they have the dual role at the moment of setting, not only helping the RBA set monetary policy, but also just a normal board running, you know, overseeing the running of the RBA. What's being proposed is there's a separate monetary policy committee where the membership of that would tilt towards experts in the formulation of monetary policy and they wouldn't have the usual um, tasks associated with the board. What that means is that because you can be more selective in terms of the membership of that, having more expertise in specifically in monetary policy, they can be that monetary policy, that type of committee can pose more of a challenge to the RBA, challenge the RBA's position on monetary policy. In a way, the board isn't. The board's been seen to be more of a rubber stamp of what the RBA wants to do. The other changes that we've seen being linked are sort of less important. You know, there's a they're mooting, moving the uh, the meetings, the policy meetings from four weeks or monthly cycle to six week or even eight week policy cycle. Mm-hmm and also scheduling um, press conferences after each monetary policy meeting uh, in an attempt to improve RBA market uh, communication. So hopefully the change to the monetary policy committee will help break down what has really become a rather insular uh, institution. So we'll look forward to what the uh, review actually comes down with in coming weeks. Seems like a positive direction, though, I think. Mm. Um well, listen. I've got a question for you, Alison. It's it's been uh, it's been a short week, and next week will be a short week too. But you know, nonetheless, bond markets have um, continued their strong rally. Um, I noticed that you know there's a drop in the US ten-year yield has been quite substantive. But interestingly, it's come from mainly been driven by a drop in inflation expectations, notwithstanding, as I said, the upside threat to inflation that the OPEC decision has has sort of delivered. My question is, is the market becoming too complacent about inflation? Look, I think it's a really interesting question, Matt. Certainly the pricing seems to indicate that they're pretty sanguine about inflation. Really, yields have fallen and, you know, there is this expectation actually being priced in Um, that there'll be 75 basis points worth of cuts by the end of 2023, so which is is quite a large amount, um, really. Uh, And that's for the Fed funds rate, isn't it? Yeah, the the Fed funds rate, yeah, the front end of the Fed's fund rate, yeah, thanks for the clarification there. You know, and look, there's some data that is showing that, you know, perhaps the US is slowing somewhat and, you know, some recent labour data probably was, was indicative there. 
But on the flip side, as you uh, briefly referred to, the OPEC plus decision to cut um, oil production it is quite material and could be, well, it is directionally inflationary. And inflation certainly isn't under control in the States, notwithstanding the fact we are seeing a slowdown. So given all of that, and the commentators, uh, economic commentators, and indeed ourselves, um, don't really see how the Fed would look to cut uh, at the end of the year, certainly not 75 basis points, in the absence of some very big left tail crisis event that would see the US spiralling into a, a quite a deep recession, which we don't see anything like that on the horizon that we're aware of. And so on that basis, I do, I do think it gives a bit of a risk that you might see yields rise from here. And you know, in light of that, you know, that could actually, one, cause a bit of volatility in the market, but also would potentially be a challenge to the equity markets, both from both a valuation perspective, um, as yields rise, that will affect the discount rates. But also if it is because we are still experiencing inflation, which I think is probably quite likely given where existing levels of inflation are, you know, that could cause a challenge to company earnings and just operating environments via but one, higher interest rates and two, potential challenges to margins and so on. So watching the real economy is something that we're doing quite closely. You know, it, it's not certain, but uh, nothing is ever certain, but, you know, it's certainly <laughs> a challenging time out there at the moment. Matt, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and having another chat and take 10. And also thank you to our listeners for joining us again. And hopefully everyone has a, a relaxing Easter long weekend. Thanks again.